this word is a Greek word, uh, oikonomia. oikonomia. Stumbled on it already. This is going to be a long seven weeks. Go for it, go for it. So every time I'm going to the Greek, I'm looking at Nano. Go for it, Nano. So this, uh, over the next seven weeks, we're doing a new series. This series is entitled... Thank you. Economia. That's just through everything, Nano. Now I don't even think of anything. Got it all wrong. Um, Paul in his Paul in his writings, if you follow through the writings of Paul, you find that so often uh, the emphasis on his ministry is going from house to house. Paul did spend time in the synagogues. He did go there, but the emphasis on Paul's ministry seems to be going from home to home. I feel so under pressure now. The, 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 what it is in the Greek is going from oikos to oikos. You're not allowed to say anything else. Forget my interpret and my pronunciation. Paul, right throughout his letters, right throughout every, every place that he goes to, the, the emphasis on his ministry is going from house to house. It's going from oikos to oikos. And, uh, and that word has sort of gripped me over the last, over the last wee while. Because I think it's important for us to see what, uh, what, this word, what this word means. See, we're not just talking about a physical structure. We're not just talking about the house. We're not just talking, for, we're not just talking about one Blenheim court where me, Judith, Caleb, Eli, and Jada live. It's so much more than that. We are... We are speaking, whenever we, Paul uses this term oikos, he's not talking about a physical structure, but he's talking about a network of relationships. So whenever we use this word, whenever we see this, it being the emphasis on Paul's ministry through his letters, don't think you and your husband and your two or three children living in the house. Think Christmas time. Think Christmas whenever it's, the, it's just the network of relationships. It's auntie and uncle, it's grandparents, it's boyfriend, it's girlfriend, it's servant, it's pets, it's, it's, the whole, it's the whole household, it's the extended family, it's the wider family. And so that's what Paul did. Paul was going, to, whenever he was going to this oikos, he's talking about the, this extended family, talking about these networks of relationships. And I am so convinced that as I look through the ministry of Paul, that Paul knew that the gospel was going to take root and the gospel was going to, be, was going to spread through the everyday life of a family on mission. I suppose that's, what, that's, how, I want to, that's how I want to almost overarch what I want, how I want to introduce this this morning. Paul knew that the gospel would take root and the gospel would spread through the everyday life of a family on mission. And that's what we want to build a wee bit on uh, this morning. I just want to—I really just want to introduce this this morning, and uh, and then over the next number of weeks, uh, we're gonna—we're just gonna build. We're gonna build on this thought. We're gonna build on what uh, this all looks like. To get back to this word, uh, this—the first part of this word oikos is what I've already talked about: household. The second part is is noma and nomas and nomos. And uh, I'm not looking at you, no, no. This word is, is the law. It's, it's, it's custom or management. So this whole word that we're looking at 
economia is household management. Household management. I see, I first, I first came across this word in reading through the first chapter of Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 9, Paul is speaking of, of, of this mystery. This mystery that has now been revealed. This mystery that has now been entrusted to Paul. That's Ephesians chapter 1 verse 9. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 10 uses this word, this word economia. This administration. See, it was the, it was the administration this mystery that's been given, it's an administration which has now been put into effect to bring heaven and earth together. So the, the thought of that, seeing that, seeing that, I was so intrigued by this word. This word just grabbed my attention. Because I want to know, but Paul is presenting something incredible here. It's a mystery that has been entrusted to him. And the mystery is it's an administration. It's, a, it's, a, it's the household management that has, been, that has been given. This mystery has been given to him. It's an administration which has been put into effect now to bring heaven and earth together. Ephesians 1 verse 10 is, is one of six times that Paul uses this word. He uses this word six times. And the only other time it's used is by Jesus in, the, in, in Luke chapter 16. It's used, in, it's used in there three times, the word. In the New Testament, it, this word is mentioned nine times. Paul uses it six times in his letters, and then it's used three times, but it's in this one parable in Luke chapter 16. And over the next number of weeks, we'll get to Luke chapter 16. We're not going to go there this morning. But here's one of the times that Paul uses this word. Colossians chapter 1 verse 25 is the, is, the, is, the, is another time that he uses it. I'm not going to go into it this morning, but just to point out that it's there. It's in your, and probably in some of your Bibles, it'll say this, this administration has been entrusted to me. My, my, my version says this, this stewardship that has been entrusted to me. But it's this word. It's this word. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to go with what of oikonomia. I can't, I can't, I'm struggling too much. I've said oikonomia in my head for the last number of months. Okay, you have a sweet. Um, so it's here, it's again, it's in this Colossians 1 verse 25, this oikonomia word. This stewardship, this administration, the household management has been entrusted to Paul. And he's talking to Timothy in First Ch- Timothy chapter 1 verse 4. Paul starts off his letter, and I think, some, I, think, I think we would do well to listen to this. The church would do well to listen to this today. Timothy, please. He starts off this letter. This is so important to Paul. He starts it all off. He introduces himself. Paul, the apostle of Jesus Christ, and his servant. Timothy, please don't get involved in debates and quarrels and endless, endless nonsense. Don't get involved in all of that. But rather, advance God's program of instruction. What the Amplified Version says. Rather than get involved in all of that, advance God's program of instruction. Advance God's administration. Advance the oikonomia. Advance it. This program, this household management that has been given. And what I would say, as I was thinking about this last night, 
if this word is going to become troublesome for us to pronounce as it clearly already is, if this word is a problem for us to get our heads around, what I would offer to you is that for the next seven weeks, in many ways what we're going to be talking about is home economics. For those that uh, that's went to school, you maybe know what this this means. For me, it was Jenna's mom. Jenna's mom was a home economics teacher. For me, I just thought home economics was all about baking a cake. And uh, but actually, when last night when I looked and seen the the little blurb about what uh, what home economics is all about, this is what it says: It's the profession and the field of study that deals with economics and management of the home and community. The field deals with relationship between individuals, families, communities, and the environment in which we live. And actually last night when I, when I read the little blurb in home economics, I thought, do you know what, that's, that's quite helpful. In many ways, that's what we, we want to talk about over the next number of weeks. We want to talk about relationship between individuals, families, communities, and the environment. We want to we we talk about, uh, we want to deal with the management of the home and the community. So if you're struggling to get your head around the Greek, just think, and maybe, maybe you're reluctant to do that. Maybe you're afraid of, what will people think if we say, at your church you're going to study for the next seven weeks home economics? What's that about? But in some ways that's what we are going to do. See, my heart, my heart in all of this is that we would see the, the method that Paul used, that it was the spread, the gospel, the good news, the kingdom of God was going to spread through the everyday life of a family and mission. And there was an event held in, uh, in uh, the Kingspan Stadium during the week. Uh, it's Ulster's, Ulster Rugby's home, home ground. And uh, it was an event for it was an event for for leaders leaders in, involved in in ministry or involved in any sort of organisation, and uh, so I was aware I was aware that it was on. I couldn't I wasn't able to make it, but Alan Scott was 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 there speaking, and he he made this statement that I think provoked a reaction from some from some leaders, it, not a negative reaction, just was a, a thought that got them thinking. And he said, he said, Alan Scott, he's the pastor of the, of the church uh, down in, in Coleraine, Causeway Coast Vineyard. Alan Scott and his wife Catherine lead that church. He was speaking at this event, and in the middle of his talk around leadership and culture and, and all of that, he said that for them, Sunday, Sunday morning is the least important gathering of the week. In some ways, for church leaders, I think, that were there, it was quite a provocative statement. But for me, I think it was... A, it was it was almost a, when I heard the quote, I thought it's, it's, it echoes something of what we want to do throughout this series. I love Sunday mornings. And I want to do our Sunday mornings really well. We want to, we want to worship and encourage and build each other up through worship, through, through the study of the word, through just being together around coffee. We want to take advantage and do Sunday mornings really well. But not at the expense of of seeing the place where Paul seemed to, to, to find that the gospel would take root and spread through the everyday life of family and mission. So this is important. Sunday mornings are important. But really, tomorrow morning is, 
is more important. The, the, whenever you go to school or your job or wherever you find yourself, that becomes, becomes really important if we catch what Paul is trying to say. He got, went from home to home, from extended family to extended family to make sure that they were built up, encouraged. The gospel was taking root because once it took root, it was going to spread from home to home, from oikos to oikos. And I think it's really important. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 and 16. Paul's encouraging the church in Ephesus to make the most of life. Make it count. Make the most of every opportunity. Live your life well. And I think this, this administration has been given because he wants us to make the most of life. Jesus. Jesus wants us to make the most of life. He wants us to make, he wants us to make it count. My Redeemer lives and, and, and we will be with him. Thank God for that. Thank God for that hope that awaits us. But you know what? He wants us to live really well now. He wants us to make, to make it count right now. He wants us to live really well. If we picked up anything, if there was anything that, we, that, we, that was being taught, if it felt like anything that kept rising to the surface as we went through the beautiful surrender series, it was that if you want to have life, you have to give it away. So there was something that, rised, that, that was rising to the surface. It was, you'll find it. You'll find life when you give it away. It's incredible. Incredible how Jesus came and just turned everything on its head. Everything looked different because of Jesus. But as we went through this series, it felt like I was, it felt like I was seeing something everywhere I looked at these, this call for self-denial this call to live sacrificially. Because although Jesus was telling us, you need to lose it, but he still said that we were going to gain. He still said that we were going to, going to gain. He did, he did say, unless, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But he also said, when it dies, it produces many seeds. So all of a sudden, I'm starting to see that I, I know that we're called to, to self-deny to lay it all down for Jesus. But actually, as I read through some of these things, Jesus isn't taken away from the call to sacrifice, to self-deny. But actually, what, what there's there, he's saying, you're going to gain. You're going to produce many seeds. And the, the, the little parable in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, says that, that the kingdom is like, it's like a treasure in a field where you'll lay everything down. You'll give it all away so that you can get that field where the treasure is. And so I'm looking at this and thinking, yeah, he's calling us to lay everything down, sacrifice everything. But at the end, there's still treasure. In Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter 19, again, that, that verse where Jesus says, if you leave mother and father, leave your house, leave it all. This call again to deny yourself to live sacrificially, to lay it all down. But at the end of that, he says, do all of that and you'll receive a hundredfold. Something that, 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 be, that began to strike me about these, these verses. Because it felt like as Jesus was talking about sacrifice, as he was talking about denying self, 
he was doing it in such a way that actually suggests that it's an investment. You're investing for something, to gain, to get the treasure, to produce many seeds, to receive a hundredfold and eternal life, that verse actually says. I read this quote during the week. It says, Jesus knows how to make life work well. Jesus knows how to manage a household. Jesus knows how to invest for return. Jesus knows how to really live. And so every, every step that we go on, on, on this journey with this new series, we want to look at Jesus. We want to see how he made life work well. We want to see how he stewarded, stewarded really well, how he managed the household, how he, how he invested for return, how he lived really well. See, the rich young ruler in Mark chapter 10, and we, we will probably dip in and out of this story several times over the next number of weeks. But the rich young ruler in Mark chapter 10, I think that he's seen that Jesus lived really well. He's seen that Jesus knew how to manage the household. He's seen that Jesus knew how to invest for a return. And that's why he was so attracted to Jesus and went, Lord, what do I need to do? I have, I have done everything that, that the law has said. I've done everything that it's commanded me to do. But I still don't have what you have. I still don't have what it seems to be that you're offering. I still don't have. I'm still not living the way that your disciples seem to be living. Jesus, I want to know. And as I looked again at this story of the rich young ruler and, and, and sort of dipping back into beautiful surrender, I realized that you can actually, this is a real challenge for me and maybe for, for someone else here, that you can actually obey without surrender. See, the rich young ruler, he was obedient. He had obeyed all the commands, but, but he was not willing to give it all up. He was not willing to surrender. And that's a challenge because maybe you're incredibly obedient. You'll be at every meeting. You'll, you'll read your Bible the, every day. You'll say your prayers as you go to bed at night. You'll obey all of that. You'll give your tithes and offerings. You'll fast once or twice a week. But actually, you can do all of that without ever surrendering. You can do all of that without ever actually laying it all down for Jesus. I think the rich young ruler reminds us of that. But Jesus offers him the chance. The, the person and the life and the ministry of Jesus offers this young man the chance to have it all, to really have it all, to truly have it all, to have the fullness of life and, and the response to, that Jesus gives. Okay, give it all up and follow me. Give it all away and come and, that's, and you'll find life. Invest all of that for the sake of an even greater return. A greater return than you can ever imagine. You've had all of this wealth. You've had all of this success. But actually, if you want to have it all, if you want to know what it's, what it's truly like to live, give it all up and, and follow me. The rich young ruler fell into the trap that so many of us can fall into. See, he thought that the something, that's something that he lacked, that's something that he knew was missing in his life. He thought it was something that he could just add on to what he already had. 
he almost, and we get sucked into this. We see gospel presentations that almost present Jesus as the cherry on top. You've got your family, you've got your home, you've got your job. Come to Jesus. He's the cherry on top. It's awful. It's, a complete, it's completely opposite to what Jesus was saying. And this rich young ruler thought that you could just add Jesus onto the top of everything else, but actually Jesus says, no, you need to, you need to give it all away. And I, and I know whenever we come to this story, I, I've, I've done it many times. When we get to the story of, of the rich young ruler in Mark chapter 10 or whatever version of the story, whatever gospel version you read, um, we always think that seems really unfair on this rich young ruler. Jesus never asked anybody else to do that. But actually, if you were to read through the, 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 the early parts of the gospels and see Jesus calling the other disciples that's not true. We think that Jesus asked more of this young, rich young ruler than he did of the other disciples, but it's not true. Jesus asked the same of the fishermen. These fishermen, like, these, were, these were big industrial nets that these guys had. This was their business. This was their livelihood. This is how they made money. This is how they put food on the table. And Jesus comes along and says, guys, give it all up. Lay it all down and come and follow me. He did the same with Matthew, the tax collector. That was a, that was a lucrative career. That was big money involved in that, in, that, in that business. And Jesus comes along to Matthew sitting in his booth thinking about all the money that he's going to make, what he's going to do with all of this. He doesn't have many friends, but he's building his career. He's making his way up the ladder. He's absolutely loaded. And Jesus comes to Matthew and says, Matthew, lay it all down. Forget about it all and come and follow me. So it's not right to say that the rich young ruler was, had a, had, was given another, an unfair demand that nobody else was given. We're all given the same. We're all offered the same. You want to know life. You want to know its fullness. You want to live really well. You want to know how to steward this well. Manage your household. Invest for the sake of a return. Lay it all down and come and follow, and follow me. The problem was, and, and, and it's the deepest cry of my heart, that, that we would, as a, as, as a church family, as this oikos, that we would, that we would think, unlike, unlike the rich young ruler, that Jesus is worth giving up everything for. We would be the disciples, the disciples, the disciples thought that Jesus was worth giving up everything for. The rich young ruler decided that he couldn't do that. And he walked away. He was told to grieve Jesus. Broke his heart. But he didn't change the goalposts. Need to make that decision. We'll keep on posing that question, I think, over the next seven weeks. Is, do you think, is Jesus worth giving up everything for? Is he worth giving it up for? See, Mark chapter 6, verse 33, I think, tells us, uh, offers us a similar, offers us something similar. Similar principle that, that we see in the story of the rich young ruler. The verse being, seek first the kingdom of God, and all of these things will be added on to you. You want to live well, then invest everything that you have to follow Jesus. Invest everything you have to follow Jesus and everything else is added on. 
Again, it's going back to those verses in, in, in Matthew 13 and Matthew 19. You're, you're being asked to lay it all down. You're being asked to deny yourself, to reorientate your whole life around the kingdom of God, the person of Jesus. But here again, it's saying, and everything else will be added onto you. You invest everything to follow Jesus. Produce many seeds. You receive a hundredfold. You're, you're going to gain. You're going to every, have everything else added on. Reorientate your life around his way. Reorientate your life around this, this oikonomia. Reorientate your life around this household management, this administration that, that, that has now come into effect to bring heaven and earth together. And so this series, I want us to, there's uh, two or three things that I w- would love us to, to hold on to as we go through this. Is Jesus worth investing everything for? Is he worth it? I want us to talk about how we are managing our lives. And there's some areas that I want us to, 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 challenge, to, to challenge ourselves with how we are investing our capital as a family and mission. I'm using this word capital. I've asked, is there any other word? I can't, can't think of any other word to, to use. Please come and tell me. I feel like it becomes a bit businessy using the word capital. But what we're really saying is, what have you got? What have you got available to invest? What is it that you've got? What strengths or giftings? What, what have you got that is that you have to invest? What's available to invest to grow more? And over the next number of weeks, we're gonna we're gonna hold loosely. We're not gonna we're not gonna present these as point for point. But there's five areas as I, as I read through as I read through the almost the whole of Scripture. As I read through all of this, I think there's five areas that, that we have potential to, to invest in. The spiritual, if I can keep using this word, I hope if you're with me, spiritual capital, relationship, it's essentially relationship with Jesus, growing in relationship with him, understanding him, developing that, that wonderful connection, that communication between us and him, that spiritual capital, how much of that have you got to invest? Relational, through the whole of the scriptures, relationship so important. How much have you got to invest for the sake of growing friendships, for the sake of building family? Physical capital, how much time and energy have you got to invest? Intellectual capital thinking of and, and for me I found as I've been praying and seeking the Lord I think this one is is really important today for the church but maybe for some of us in here so I think there is there is knowledge and there is ideas and there is creativity in this room we need you to invest in that we need to, you to lay some of that down to give some of that away to invest in the life of this family on mission. In the fifth area, and it's and all of these things I've talked about, they're in order of importance. The final one is financial. 
How much money have you got to invest? And I'm not, we're not going to go through that as step by step. It's not going to be a linear process that we're going to go through. But we just want to develop this thought over the next number of weeks. And sort of make that, to, to try and present that, some practical examples to help you better understand where we want to go. When we think of, when we think of uh, investing our financial capital to grow relational capital. You with me? Investing financial. So, so that looks, so hospitality. If we we're thinking hospitality. Mum and dad and Joanna and Neville, others that do hospitality really well. There's an investment of, of finances. But it's with the invest of laying down some money, laying down some finances because growing relationship is really important. See, that's what Jesus was, trying to, Jesus was trying to get the rich young ruler to see that. Invest your financial capital to grow spiritual capital. Lay it all down for the sake of relationship with me. For the sake of following after me. Invest some financial capital to grow spiritual capital. Hospitality, I think, is one of those things where you invest financial to grow relational. As I, th- as I thought about even just about discipleship this morning. What we're, what, we're, what we're asking is that you would invest your physical capital to grow spiritual capital. You'd invest that time and energy just to come alongside somebody. You'd lay down your time. You'd lay down, you'd, you'd sacrifice some of your schedule for the sake of growing spiritual capital, for the sake of investing and, and developing the life of, of somebody in young in the faith. Other, these are some of the examples of the areas that we want to look at. And we'll see it, you'll see it as we go through the Gospels that Jesus, Jesus seems to think that way. Jesus seems to think in a way that invest, lay this all down, sacrifice for the sake of, of, of growth, for the sake of having more so that you have more to give away. And whenever we use that language, we always are thinking of it financially. But actually financial, financial is, the mo- is the least important. We're wanting to say how much physical capital have you got to, to give away to invest in growing relational or spiritual? How much of your intellect, how much of your ideas and your knowledge and your creativity will you give away to, to grow in whatever area? And there's some of the things that we want to we wanna look at. I hope there's enough there to, to, uh, to lay an introduction, to, to say... More than anything, we still, we want even this. We want this to be all about Jesus because this is the administration that he has set in place, that he has put in effect to bring heaven and earth together. And so we want to keep on thinking through the lens of how do we sacrifice, how do we self-deny, how do we lay it all down? But maybe looking at it slightly different, it's for the sake of growing. It's for the sake of, of, of having more, of having more capital to continue to invest, to have more to invest. And so, Father, I'm praying that you would, um, that you would just allow us to, to go in this journey of uh, investing for the sake of return. You allow us, Lord, just to be challenged, um, provoked, Lord, by some of the thoughts and some of the parables and some of the testimonies we see of how you spoke and what you were trying to teach. Lord, would we, would we have ears open to hear what you would want to do? Ultimately, God, that we would still be in that place where we just want to lay everything down for the sake of 
honoring you and pleasing you and growing in relationship with you. We continue to grow that as we invest for the sake of relationship with you. That you continue to grow that within us, develop that relationship within us that we have more to give away. In Jesus' name.